you can't wear your pajamas to work. I'm in a position I never imagined myself to be in. Yeah, you, you can't physically abuse people like they did to me in the beginning. That's Evan Sparks. You might know him as E.S. Sparks from Instagram. The electrician formerly known as Evan Smith. If you know Evan, a lot has happened since the last time you saw him in public. Today we're going to talk about his new position as service manager and all the things that come along with it that he wasn't expecting from negotiating prices to chasing bids, hiring and firing, and basically running a company. Evan is self-observant, knows his limitations, and wants to excel. And you know me, I'm Mike Kenoki, general contractor in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I'm always looking for a good hand. And as per usual, please share this directly from your podcast app to your favorite social media stories and tag at the contracting handbook. All right, let's roll tape letting go of control uh in situations that you know you get to a point where you're just like do i want to be right or do i want to be happy i don't have my license i i i fear sometimes calling myself an electrician i think anybody who who puts a significant amount of time into anything will say let alone like you know an instagram account to have it just taken from you in the blink of an eye is kind of a little bit heart-wrenching but if you're going to be in plain sight you need to be looking like you're doing something. And two is you need to hustle. You need to move like with, with, with a purpose. And this is that next step that's going to allow me to take my career to a new level. You're not going to go home and work on your house if you're a tradesperson, <laughs> despite what my wife, my wife was hoping for. Being hungry and not being afraid to, to look for that, that opportunity as well. Get good at your trade and then worry about how you're gonna manage people or how you're gonna step it up. Because if I didn't know what to do out in the field, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. This is an opportunity to learn everything I can about the business side and the management side of the trade that I've chosen to be in. I know what I can control today and I know what I can't control today. And I, I try my best to accept my limitations as a human, as a limitations as a, as a manager, as a limitations of a, as a husband in all aspects of my life. And most times I fail at, at the acceptance part of it. But when I do accept it, I find that that's when progress happens. I think the beautiful thing about the trades is, is we, 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 we break our bodies, we create beautiful things, and we have fun doing it. I've always wanted to take my, my talents up to, you know, being more of a, a foreman or now, I guess, my title service manager, but I, I act as like the COO of the company. I don't envy your job. Thanks. to the contracting handbook. My next guest was an electrician on the path to becoming an IG influencer, but he was hacked. His career path shifted and that passion for social media may be flagged. He kept his head down, focused on his work and like what happens when we do that, it's perspective change and new opportunities arose. I'd like to welcome Evan Sparks. Hello. What's going on, Evan? 
Thanks Evan, for having me, bud. Yeah, man. It's good to see you again. And, uh, and uh, I'm excited to carry on this conversation we started last week. So my first question is, is, is your last name really Sparks? Is that, or is that your porn star name? That's my porn star name. Um, it was the Hebrew Hammer, but that was taken on IG when I started the account two years ago. Okay. So, uh, no, last name is Smith. Good old Irish <laughs> white boy name. Good. Now we got that cleared up. You're kind of an electrician at a crossroads. And, and I'm going to kind of set the stage for the audience. Um, you were like an apprentice electrician and budding Instagram influencer. And then, you know, kind of what happened there? I, so I was, I, so I'm, I'm in New Jersey. So New Jersey is a weird state in terms of their licensing. Like right now I'm in Massachusetts on uh, visiting uh, family or my wife's family, but I lived up here for a number of years. So like the new England area, it's very controlled with registered apprentices uh, for electrical. Like you have to be in school, you have to be registered with the state. There's a journeyman's license and there's a master's license in New Jersey. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. As long as somebody in the company has a master electrical license, nobody else has to have any type of licensing or governmental like oversight. So I don't have my license. I, I, I fear sometimes calling myself an electrician. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you had broski on Mark, um, Broski builds and me and him are kind of like in similar situations where it's like, I've been doing this for almost 20 years, electrical work. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't have the licensure mm -hmm. that, you know, to be able to go open my own company or to be able to like go out on my own per se and do this, you know, car blanche. Um, when I started the Instagram account, that was, it'll be two years ago, I guess this, this month, uh, July. Um, I started that because I saw other people on Instagram, like <laughs> to be completely honest at first, I was like, Oh, these guys are getting all these free tools like sent to them by like Milwaukee and Klein. And like, I'm like, and they're just like showing them off. And I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> I was like, you know, that doesn't seem that hard. Um, and honestly, it started with, um, with an account um, tool crate. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're a uh, subscription box tool subscription company, a quarterly thing. And um, I wanted to post a video of like my unboxing of my first subscription. And so I just started a, a, an account called ES Sparks that, you know, kind of was like a whirlwind two year thing that kind of just kind of disappeared in January. What happened there? Um, I, I don't know. Instagram just deleted my account on me. No, um, no warnings, no explanations, no re recourse, no, uh, no pass to get it back. Um, I tried going through all the, you know, portals and tabs that Instagram or Meta has set up to try to recover an account. Like if you're hacked, but, um, my account wasn't hacked. It just was deleted. And when I would try to sign in, it would say this account has been deleted um, or has been, has been deleted or disabled. And I tried going through the processes of getting it back. And I, you know, it, it, it really, really sucked because like, I think anybody who, who puts a significant amount of time into anything will say, let alone like, you know, an Instagram account to have it just, 
taken from you in the blink of an eye is kind of a little bit heart-wrenching. Um, you know, I spent an enormous amount of time on Instagram building that account, um, building relationships with uh, not just like companies that I was like sponsored by or like, you know, an ambassador for, but the amount, the enormous amount of people I had met through Instagram. I mean, those relationships are still there in, you know, different ways and different forms. Like I've actually gone and visited people all over the country. I've had them come. I've had a few people come stay with me who I've met on Instagram. Um, I ended up doing a podcast with somebody in Canada, my good friend, Andy. Uh, but one day, I think it was a Wednesday, I was doing uh, some, I was at work. I went to check Instagram in the morning, responded to a couple of messages went back and looked at my phone at lunch, went to respond to a couple of more messages. And when I went to open Instagram, it was gone. So that's brutal. Um, and that's a cautionary tale for anyone out there. I've been hacked recently. <clears throat> I don't know what will be going yeah. on by the, by the time this one airs, but um, it is brutal when you put the time in and then, and then someone else controls it. And yours, it was just, yours just disappeared. I can still see mine, but for everyone out there, like be careful and make sure you have two-factor authentication. And I don't yeah, know if it, that helps. It, I mean, it's it's a scary thought to invest time and money, which is I did a lot of, into an account on a platform that there is literally no recourse for. And there can, and, and the majority of the time, from what I understand, it's not even like somebody who works for the company is flagging your stuff and like, like disabling your accounts or doing whatever. It's an algorithm. And there it's like, you're just the unfortunate accident of the algorithm. And, you know, I was monetizing what I was doing on Instagram. I was bringing home a small paycheck each month financially based off of what I was doing on IG and that along with the thousands of followers I had and the, all the messages and the, and all of the pictures and videos that were on there that were kind of like my, my photo album, if you will, of my work journey over those two years just vanished. Um, but like you had said, um, the day that that all went away was the day I had an interview for the company I'm at now which, you know, one door opens, another open, you know, another door opens. And I'm at a point now where I'm doing, I'm in a position I never imagined myself to be in that literally takes all of my time every day. So I really, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing because I wouldn't even have time to be on Instagram right now. Like I don't, I really don't. Like I post, I think I've posted seven or eight times in the last few months. And there is absolutely no recourse. I've, I'm an expert now. I've read everything you possibly can on the subject of Instagram hacks. And there are expert, experts in technology, in, in, in social media, in computer science that have been hacked. And they say everything that Instagram says about getting your accounts back is basically BS. They say, mm -hmm. that they're, they say that they're going to send you these emails. Someone else signed in. Turn this, you know, reverse this, reverse this. It never happens. None of those emails came. It just said, 
you know, what little by little it trickled in your, your email changed, your phone number changed. You just started two factor authentication. I'm watching my account disappear in front of me. I know you didn't get to see it. It was, it was very disturbing to watch this happen. Uh, it, it unfolded in front of me in over a three hour period. Now it was, it was hitting me very slowly to like, and then by that night I knew it was gone. So. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. And, and the, the, the most, I think frustrating part for me was, is like, I couldn't even like, there was no legal recourse either because one, when you create an account on Instagram, when you click approve, like, you know, I approve to the terms and conditions, which no one ever reads, let's be honest. You basically sign away your right to pursue any, any type of legal recourse. If Instagram takes your account away or, or kicks you off the system. Um, yeah. Hey, it and, and it I want, yeah. I want to tell, I want to add one thing here for people to hear right now. Like I said, I don't know what, when the show airs, what's going to be going on, but this is still has a lot of value for, for people who are on social media right now. The hackers, one of them has my email for the account and one has my phone number. One's in the Cocos Islands. Do you know where those are? I had to look it up. And one, the other mm. one's in Nigeria. And so when I try to sign in, one of them texts me on my phone and one of them texts me on WhatsApp. That's Straight nuts. up. It's, these are professionals. I haven't responded to anything because they're, you know, they're, they're bottom feeders. I, I'm not going to get on and start fighting with them and, and you know, paying them off. I mean, I'll let the right. account go. It's just, it's frustrating. And it's, it, it's a, it feels like a violation when I'm sitting here at my house at nine at night and these two douchebags are texting me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's the hardest thing with anything, whether it's IG or whether it's anything else, like, especially like work-wise, like to let go of the anger uh, or the frustration that comes along with having control taken away from you yeah. um, and having to sit there and watch something happen, you know, and, and that's, you know, I, I, I had, a, like I said before, like I had a podcast for a little while called Delta Sparks Pod. It was me and um, Andy from Electrical. Um, and we talked a lot about like the, 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 the challenges of letting go of control uh, in situations that, you know, you get to a point where you're just like, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? And I've, it took me, it took me a while to get, to get to the point where I would rather be happy over what happened with Instagram rather than be right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's different for everyone. Absolutely. I've put a lot of time into things that I've not used and yeah. this one was taken from me. So that, that's, that's the annoying part. Hey everybody, just a heads up. I did get my Instagram account back at the contracting handbook. Follow me please. And share this in your stories, turn two factor authentication on, on your accounts. But when I look at a lot of other things I did, there's other companies I've tried to start. Um, I put a lot of effort into this other, other things that I just degrees stuff. I just don't use, but, right. but all that effort, uh, you know, made me a better person. I, cause yeah. I tried so many things and I've learned so many things. And, and a lot of those efforts are applicable to what I do now. And so let's kind of segue that into like, you kept your head down and worked all through this. 
And now, now you got this job that kind of surprised you what you thought it was going to be compared to what it became. So let's talk about that a little bit. So up until this, this current position at this current company, I was a foreman, you know, um, I was running, you know, medium to medium, large size commercial, you know, projects, um, on the electrical side. Um, also hands-on working still as well a lot. Um, so I, I was, it was funny. I got let go from my last company the day before my birthday, which was three days before Christmas, because they hired me, they were a residential electrical contractor and they hired me because they had a big commercial project and they had, they didn't know what to do. They didn't have, it was, it was like an as build for a pharmaceutical uh, plant. And they basically used me to put together the drawings. I, I made all the drawings the, to scale for the electrical rooms, figured out, basically engineered the entire project for them. And then on day 89 of my 90-day you know, trial period, they gave me the boot along with COVID. They gave me COVID too, which was great. Mm. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I was, you know, out of work for a couple of weeks and I got this email from ZipRecruiter from this guy saying he really liked my profile. You know, he's a, a commercial service company, which I, I, I knew the term. I had worked for a commercial service company earlier on in my career, but it's not like, it's not a construction company. It's not like installs and projects and like, you know, a couple of weeks to a couple of months long projects. It's like, you know, seven, eight calls a day in and out of different places, like fixing light bulbs, fixing outlets. It's more of like a maintenance type of thing. And this guy was looking for somebody who could come on and basically take over from what I understood, like the oversight of the guys out in the field, what he's calling a service manager. So what it was explained to me was like, you know, you'll have a couple of calls you'll do a day, you'll, you'll keep in touch with the other guys, you'll kind of dispatch them, you know, you can kind of set things how you want. And, you know, you'll take your time and kind of slowly roll into it. Whereas I started and within three weeks, I was running the company, um, literally like material ordering, dealing with the customer, like our facility management customers that, that we get these calls from hiring, firing, HR, estimates, quotes, like a lot of stuff I had never dealt with before. Um, trial by fire. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Trial by fire. And I, it was probably good that it happened that way because if I had any time to try to figure things out rather than like just having to do things and, and learn the hard way, I don't know if I would have been as successful as I have been thus far. Um, but I thought it was going to be like, you know, 40 hours a week, you know, uh, not too dissimilar than what I was doing in terms of like being on a job site, just being a little bit more mobile, but I'm working, you know, anywhere between 60 to 70 hours a week covering, you know, New Jersey, the entire state, plus parts of Pennsylvania, parts of New York, parts of Delaware, um, and, you know, actively trying to hire people, doing interviews, uh, negotiating prices with customers, tracking down uh, material, both like basic stuff like wire and, and boxes and stuff, but also like really uh, intricate, like 
LED driver systems and control panels and like it, it's a, it makes my head spin just trying to encapsulate everything I do on a daily basis. Into, how many how many crew members are you running? So not including myself or the owner, we have uh, six guys right now. Um, I'm bringing a, a seventh guy starts on Monday. And then I'm trying to get two or three more people to come in because I'm also, in addition to all the service work we're doing, we've taken on a number of, a number of commercial installs for um, EV charger projects. Mm-hmm. And those are a little bit more cumbersome where I, I need to be able to have um, guys who I can just put on the jobs for the day or like the week. And then the guys who are out there bouncing around between, you know, this store and that store and this store um, doing these service calls. Um, Cause I'm also trying to branch the company into a little bit more of the construction install project to, to diversify what we're doing right now. It seems like EV uh, EV setups would be just money makers right now. Like it's time. They are, they are. We, 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 we hooked up with uh, a few different companies that are uh, originally like led retrofitting companies that work with like the energy companies on the reimbursements and sell the, the fixtures themselves. And uh-huh. we were doing the installs and they kind of stumbled into doing some EV projects where they brought us in. So, um, you know, it there, I think we've done about five or six of them in the last six months. And I've got like 10 slated to jump off within the next two months. Um, and these aren't like, you know, we don't do any residential. So these aren't like, oh, you know, you just stick the Tesla charger on the wall, run a conduit over to the panel. These are like most of them, you know, they're either uh, like office buildings or like um, apartment buildings where we're having to add a transformer, add a panel, tap into the MDP, do underground piping, digging, asphalt patching. We're doing it all. So it's not like we have a company come in and dig for us and then have a company come in and patch the asphalt and do the cement. We're doing everything soup to nuts, which has been awesome, but it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be doing asphalt work, you know, 20 years ago. How old are the guys your, is your crew? Uh, for the most part, it very, it varies. So right now, myself, the owner and Two of the other guys are in, we're all in our thirties. Um, one of the guys in his thirties is more like a guy in his early twenties, if it makes sense. Um, and then the other, the other few guys are all in like their early to mid twenties, but the crew looks very different today than when I started. Um, I had to let it was, when I started it was the owner and three three guys two of which were under the age of 20 and one of the one of the other the other guy was like 22 or 23 mm-hmm. um you know no fault on the owner because he was running he was doing all the jobs himself pretty much with these with these kids bouncing around we use an app on our phones to make it a radio so we're not calling each other we're hitting a button like the old nextels um you know like the mm-hmm. little walkie-talkie phones um, so he was dispatching, helping the guys troubleshooting, you know, remotely while he's on jobs himself. Um, you know, he brought me in because he needed, he wanted to take the company in the right, you know, in a better direction and need someone who could bring more oversight and put some systems in place. So like 
one of the biggest challenges in the beginning, and this is going to sound crazy because there was three young kids, two of which this was their first job in the trades. I had to explain to them, you can't wear sweatpants to work. Mm-hmm. Like you have to wear, you have to wear like work pants, like get some, I don't care, jeans or like Carhartts or whatever, you know, I, 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 I have a couple of like higher end type of work pants because they last longer. Yeah, but you can't, wear your, you can't wear your pajamas to work, basically. You can't wear your pajamas to work. And then, you know, that was a, a hassle. You got to wear boots or you have to wear like um, some sort of like safety shoe. Like I, I, I have two different pairs of work shoes that I use, you know, if I'm on a job site doing the EV installs, like where we're in more of a construction setting, I'm obviously wearing my boots. If I'm doing service work, I have like Timberland pro sneakers that are composite toe and anti-slip and electrical, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff in there. But I'm like, I told these guys, like, you're going to hate me, but I'm going to make you a professional. In in the beginning, when you don't know anything, the best way to start being a professional is dressing like a professional. That's a you good know, call. If you want to, yeah. No, and I, 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 when you started in this position, did you had much leadership, uh, leadership mm. experience before? Because that's a, it's tough being a leader when you haven't done it. Because yeah. so you you draw yeah, from it, the experience of being led led wrong a lot of the way. We all had good answers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I had run jobs before. I uh, The biggest crew I had under me on any given job was probably about 35 guys. Um, but that was like a pretty, I, it was a pretty regimented crew. You know, I was running the job. I had three people under me and then they each had a crew I, I assigned to them because I had been on large scale commercial projects where, it was the foreman and he didn't have any type of structure beneath him. And he was getting everybody and their mother coming to him, asking questions, pulling him every a thousand different ways and nothing ever got accomplished. Um, so like you said, yes, I've learned both from really good leaders and also really poor leaders. Like I don't think every tradesperson is meant to lead. I think there are people who are happy just doing the work and living in that, that, that skill that they've, or that skills that they've, they've created. Um, for myself, I've always wanted to step my way up because I, I, I mean, I'm 30, I'll be 34 this year. My body's already breaking down from, you know, just humping cable and bake and, you know, bending and, you know, being on my hands and knees with work or stuff like I I'm just, I'm, I'm already breaking. So, I've always wanted to take my, my talents up to, you know, being more of a, a foreman or now, I guess, I'm, I don't know what you call me. I, my title service manager, but I, I act as like the COO of the company mm-hmm. um, manager, if you will. Um, in terms of like my experience leading or like what, what it's like to jump into that role. I mean, I think it's difficult anytime you step into a new company as a manager or as a foreman or as a leader, when there's already been a stable of, of tradespeople there, because in my experience, whenever I've been working for a company and they hire somebody and bring them in to be my boss, you know, my initial reaction is like, well, who are you? What gives you the authority or where, where are you coming from um, for me to, to feel confident and comfortable following your 
your lead because I have um, been in companies where they brought people in who talked the talk but didn't actually walk the walk and didn't know what what the heck they were doing and mm-hmm. ended up you know ended up kind of throwing us under the bus on those projects. Sure. Uh, what would you say the difference is now that you're leading a different group and you've got more experience, uh, but the the composition of the workforce is changing a little bit and, and the sensitivities yeah. are different. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't physically abuse people like they did to me in the beginning. Um, they can't, yeah, you can't yeah, throw stuff at people anymore. I literally tell the story where like one of the first guys I worked for, we were, we were primarily a residential company and he kept three eighth nuts for like, like threaded rod in his pouch, which we never used on any jobs. And anytime he saw me like splicing wires away, he didn't like, or just doing something he didn't like, he would whip them at me. And like, he catch me in the back and like a three eighth nut, like a steel three eighth nut, it catches that, that, that it hurts. You know, it's like, it's like a metal, metal, like BB gun or like a metal paintball. And I have to pick them up and bring them back to him at the end of the day. (laughs) You know, I have to collect the things he's uh, abusing me with, but you know, it is tough right now with the younger, younger generation coming into the trades. Um, It's tough. It's a multifaceted, tough, tough uh, road to navigate. It's yes. The sensitivity of like, you know, I was doing something a few weeks ago on a job where the owner of my company was there because he's out in the field still a lot. And we had, you know, two of our younger, more green guys there. And like, I'm holding something up with one hand and I'm like, I'm straining trying to get this thing done. And I'm like, I turned to my helper and I'm like, I need you to go get this tool or whatever it was. And he like slowly starts shuffling his feet over and I snapped at him. I'm like, when I tell you to get something, you need to be moving. Like you need to move. Like, I don't want to see you shuffling your feet. You need to run. Right. And like, he got really kind of, I don't know. Can you say butt hurt? He got butt hurt. Like that. I, I was, I wasn't super pleasant with him and like, you know, Oh, it's okay. You know? And I said to him, I go, listen, man, you know, you have as a, as a, as a, as a new person in the trades, there's two things you need to be able to do. You need to be able to constantly look busy, whether that's sweeping or hiding. I don't care. Hide. Like if out of sight, out of mind, hide. But if you're going to be in plain sight, you need to be looking like you're doing something. And two is you need to hustle. You need to move like with, with, with a purpose. I was like, you guys see me out here to almost 20 years into the trade. I'm still hustling. Like you don't see me shuffling my, my feet. You see me walking. Like I got a Roman candle up my butt and it's about to go off and I got to get away from it. Um, the other part that's tough with the newer generation is like, I don't know about anywhere else in the country, but right now like minimum wage prices. And then in terms of like what, for example, Amazon's paying starting wages, like $22 an hour, Amazon's paying for like warehouse pickers. Mm-hmm. And I got, I got kids coming in with no experience or just out of like, you know, a year at Lincoln tech trade school saying, Oh, I want $30 an hour. And I'm like, uh, can't, can't <laughs> do it. You got to work a little while. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I started out in, you know, 
you know, I started out in 2006, 2007. So I don't know what that is. Like I said, somewhere between 15 to 20 years have been doing this. When I started out, I was making seven fifty an hour, you know? And yeah. They got to see the big picture that, because eventually there'll be bacon jobs too. And, you know, there's, there's big money opportunities later. And that, and, not just oppor- that. and that opportunity doesn't exist at Amazon or, or at that basic job that's paying a little bit more now, but it's not going to, that you're not going to get a price. You're not going to get a wage increase. And, uh, yeah. You know, go, going back to what you were saying, sorry to interrupt you, but um, no, yeah. about, you're, you're like two facets on the job site of, of staying busy and hustling. Um, my, one of my friend's dads would always say to us, if you want to keep the boss happy, walk fast and look worried. Mm-hmm. That's all there's to it. it. He's like, that's a secret to your success. It's really true, you know, because there's nothing worse than whether you're the, the, the owner, the foreman, the job foreman, the, or the journeyman, you know, and you're breaking your back day in and day out and you're and like, you're, or you're on a specific, you're doing something and you see a helper or an apprentice, whatever you want to call them, you know, standing there with their hands in their pockets while you're breaking your back. That's the one thing that infuriates me. And I tell all these new younger guys, when I'm on a job with you, when we're on a call together, I don't want to see your hands in your pockets. I don't want to see you on your phone. I was like, you need to be trying to match my intensity. You don't need to know what I know. I'll teach you what I know, but you need to be at least matching my, my energy. Because as far as I'm concerned, you need me here more than I need you here. I was like, I was you. I had to learn the hard way. I've lost jobs because I, you know, wasn't hustling because I I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I was like, and that's, what's going to happen here. I was like, I don't want to let anybody go ever, but if like, it's different, like we're not a commercial installation company, we're a commercial service company. Like, so the difference, the biggest difference is we don't, like the way our, 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 our 90% of our, our, our work operates is we get a call from a, a management company, say for Walmart, Target, Costco, or like places in the mall, they have a lighting issue. So, okay, we get a set amount of money, uh, an NTE, right? And not to exceed amount to go out, see what the issue is. If, it's, if we can fix it within the NTE, which 99% of the time we can't because the NTE is so low, we need to get parts. We need to get, you know, uh, model numbers. And then we go back and we quote it. And the problem is with these management companies, we have a contracted rate of pay for our journeymen and our helpers. And these guys don't understand is that for them to make money, for us to make money, for them to be able to get paid and for them to get raises if they want to keep moving up the ladder like they need to hustle. Like that's the name of the game. It's, it's, it's a numbers game. How many jobs can we get done in a day in a, in a shorter period of time than what we're, we're, what we're bidding it at, you know? Uh, that's a, that's a tough. hard message. That's a, that's definitely a tough message to get across to people. They don't get it. And, and, yeah. um, you know, you're badass journeyman. Now, you know what you're doing. Um, you 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 can see what's coming, but you weren't always. So when you no, were an apprentice, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, when you were an apprentice, someone someone had to school you, and now you're trying to, you know, 
bring these worlds together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said before, it's like it, a tightrope. It is a tightrope. It's it's because at like like I was saying as well, like the Amazon stuff, it's like at any given time these guys can, you know, tell me to go go fly a kite and leave. And right now, um the the pool of skilled trades is empty. Mm-hmm. Like there is no like surplus of skilled tradespeople, um, at least in the electrical world in New Jersey. Um, everybody who's, you know, worth, you know, anything is working right now. And it's kind of like how the housing market has been up until very recently, where it was like, it's a, it's a seller's market. It, it's a, it's an employee's market right now. It sure is. Um, and it, and it's really weird, you know, it's been six months at this company now going from being the person who was being wooed and, you know, companies trying to bring somebody with my experience level on to now not only trying to keep the guys who are making my life a living hell most days happy and like not losing my, my, my crap on them and not like flipping out on them, which I have yet to do surprisingly, but then also trying to bring in more talent and trying to grow a company. It, it, it is a, it's a tightrope every day. Um, and I'll be honest, most days, I don't know how I make it to the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like most business owners start out really small and slowly grow their company. This isn't my company. I, I treat it as my own. And the owner knows that like, I take a lot of pride and a lot of, you know, um, responsibility for what this company does and how we operate and how we look day in and day out. But I, I didn't have the opportunity to slow grow and learn in this position. Um, I was thrown into this position and am like trying to make sure I'm not failing, you know, massively on a daily basis while also trying to build something. So I don't know if that makes sense, but well, it does. <laughs> that's uh, this is what my a, day is. Uh, this, I, I love these conversations because it just, it churns up memories and makes me kind of revisit uh, situations I've been in with employees, you know, for the most part, I love my employees and I appreciate them. I didn't, they didn't always feel like it um, because yeah. the life of a general contractor is very complicated. Uh, and they yeah. don't know all the things going on with me. One of the things this brings up is like, like with what you're doing, managing these guys and they're not always giving you a hundred percent. Maybe I'm not dissing your guys. No, no, but they definitely are not always giving me a hundred percent. But and I'm not always a hundred percent too. I realize that neither am I. Nobody is. And I I realized it with my crew too. Like sometimes I push them too hard, and then they were like fifty percent on a Friday, and I'm like, whoa, this is actually going to take three more days. Looking at where we are and looking at how they're moving, you know, we're and I'm going, holy crap! I've got you know at this at this point in time fixed uh, fixed quotes. You know, I got a fixed contract as a general contractor doing residential. I mean, you can't be like, hey, you know, just yeah. kidding. It costs it costs 15 grand more because if you do that, you're, you're done. But but yeah. you're doing these a lot of these commercial jobs. So 
How yeah. are you determining what's billable? Like there was times, for instance, that I didn't bill for one of my guy's hours because he was a zero. I had a guy that was just, I was desperate for help. I kept thinking yeah. he would, I could teach him that he would put his phone down, that he would show up on time. I was very hopeful. And that, uh, that didn't happen. And on one job, I just basically didn't bill for him. And then I, yeah. and then, you know, he's gone. But I would say on, at any given time, just on the service end of what we do, not including the EV charger installations or like we've started doing solar work, like in terms of the underground stuff and like the, the pan, not the panels, but like the actual electrical stuff, just the service work. Um, we at any given time have anywhere between 90 to 150 open jobs. So whether that's, um, you know, call, jobs that just came in that, you know, our initial look at, whether that's, you know, and we'll get a call at any time, you know, Hey, I have an emergency. You need to be there in four hours or an eight hour emergency or 24 hour call or 72 hours. So it's like mm -hmm. a juggling act between all these management companies that are sending us these different jobs with different schedules and different limitations. So undoubtedly there's always going to be some percentage of loss whether it's something got missed by one of the guys out in the field and we didn't quote for it or whether it's, you know, somebody didn't wire something correctly and it blew something else up down the road that didn't happen at that time. And now we're going to have to eat it on, on the other end. If I have to send guys back to a job that's already been completed to fix things, um, I try my best not to be the guy that says, well, you have to do that on your time. Because at the end of the day, um, I know when I've been in that position, like no one knows everything. No one can be on a hundred percent all the time. And I have to give these guys some leeway, not just to keep them, but also to like, I think it's just the right thing to do. Like I have to put myself in their shoes more times than, than not. It's really easy to sit here and go, what the heck were you doing? How could you have missed this? In hindsight, everything is clearer, but when you're in it, doing the work, doing the job, especially most of our work is in, like I said, in a business that's operating currently in the mall or in a big box store. So how I make up for it is I, you know, we, you know, like, it's like with any contractor, you pad a little here, you pad a little there. At the end of the day, if you have a solid crew minus one or two guys or minus one or two days here and there with a guy or two where they, they aren't at a hundred percent, at least with what we're doing, I can always make it up on the next call with that same, you know, management mm, company. Sure. Or, you know, I know with management company a, they're really tight on what, what they'll approve for quotes, but on management company B that we don't have to do as much work for, but they'll approve a higher quote and I can pat it there. It's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's, it's, but you do have the guys and I've had recently where I had to let two guys go where if it's consistently an issue, if they're consistently missing things, um, you know, I give them the opportunity. And I, I said to them, both of these guys, you know, individually or be, well before we had the conversation of being laid off or let go. I was said to them, I go, listen, you were hired before I started here. 
because there was a shortage of manpower and the owner just needed bodies. I go, it's not fair to you guys that you didn't have any experience really. And you were thrown into the deep end. Now, one of those guys stepped it up. You know, he was able to be thrown in the deep end, kind of like I have been in many instances and learn just from doing it, right? Like using your phone, Googling things, looking things up, being a self-sufficient, you know, problem starter. Yeah. But the other kid, I said, listen, no hard feelings. Maybe you need to go find a company that does just installs, like just does construction and not service work and learn and, and grow your, your skills and your ability and your basics. Um, you know, because I've, had to lie many a times to get a job because nobody wanted to hire somebody with no experience. You know, the first job I ever had, I told them I had more experience than I did because nobody wants to hire somebody who knows nothing. That's just the bottom line. Um, at least in my experience in the electrical world. So I was like, you obviously don't know as much as you said you did and that's okay, but I'm giving you the opportunity to bow out go find mm-hmm. somewhere else to work. And I was like, I'll even give you two or three weeks to continue working here and I'll keep you busy and keep you paid while you go find something else. It's that's tough. a good, that's a good way of looking at it. And you know, mistakes and stuff, that's all, that all happens. And as long as you make it a teachable moment, mm-hmm. you know, especially with, with younger, you know, new laborers and stuff, I've charged the same rate per, for every head that I got working for me. So, Okay. When a laborer makes a mistake, you know, I eat it. I mean, they can cost me a lot of money. They can cost me some crazy money. Um, but there's a lot of teachable moments there. When a, when a carpenter starts costing me money, then it's, they can cost me a lot of money. Really. You said earlier that you, part of your duty is negotiating prices with clients, but you know, you're a, you're a sub trade. Like, how is there a negotiation there? I mean, you guys charge an hourly rate. I'm assuming most of your work is time and materials. Except no. for maybe installs, but, but service work? All the service work is quoted. So, <clears throat> for example, company, like I said, we, we work for about eight to 10 different facility management companies that are nation, national companies that, you know, one handles these these, you know, businesses like Walmart and BJ's, another one handles like Aeropostel and uh, Michael Kors and Apple, you know, like they hold the manage the facility management contracts for them. So, you know, we'll get a call and we'll say, Hey, listen, the lights for this place in the back of the house are blinking on and off. Here's we call it an NT, like I said, and not to exceed, here's a 150 NTE for you guys to go out and look at them and then come back to us and let us know what the issue is and quote it. So every, almost everything we do is quoted. So I'll send a guy out. He goes and looks at the lights. He, we have, everything is on a portal on their phones where they do pictures, they do notes, they check in with the management company to let them know they're on site so we can bill for those hours. And then they'll, say, okay, I found that, you know, you know, 16 fixtures need new ballasts and here's a picture of the ballast. And here's a, here's the part number written down. And out of those 16 fixtures, 12 of them need new bulbs. 
And so then I have to take the initial time that we were given for the NTE plus the travel that we're, we're given. We get one-way travel with each management company that we can bill for. I take those, I put those into a quote as incurred time. And then below that, I have to then break down what's going to be needed between material and time and travel for a return trip to fix said issue. Then we send that out to the management company and then they'll either approve it or they'll come back and they'll say, well, this seems a little high for this, or this seems a little high for that. And then we have to negotiate and I go, okay, well, listen, I, you know, here's the bottom dollar I can do for these, the the parts, but the, but the labor can't change because you're asking us to now take a fluorescent fixture and rewire it to led. I might be able to come down a little bit on the LED bulbs, but you're talking about having to rewire a fixture, which takes X amount of times per fixture times 16 fixtures. I can't budge on that. And I'm like, so it's either a take it or leave it. Now, again, though, we have so much repeat work and I'm not talking like, like year after year repeat work. I'm talking day in and day out repeat work with the same companies. It's a, it's a very symbiotic relationship, kind of like a, like a shark and one of those things that suctions onto the bottom of them to clean up. You know what I mean? We yeah. are the cleaner. I don't know who you're negotiating this with. Cause it's not the owner of the company. It's not the person who had someone come in and say, Hey, you know what? This is how your company is going to save money. Change all those lights up. Like start, do this now, do it 10 years ago, do it. Right. And, and you'll, it'll pay for itself. But, but that person you're talking to isn't the person paying that bill. And they don't know they're, they're paid to, they're paid to chisel which is they are. kind of BS, right? You know, I mean, cause you know, the value in the work you're, you're doing like the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not just changing a light. It's changing the efficiency of the, the entire company. Right. And then you also have management companies that say, no, we don't want to change the LEDs. Keep them fluorescent, keep them ballast. And initially I was like, what the heck are these guys doing? But what you have to understand as well, again, it's a totally different world in the service world is we're working not for say Costco. We're working for the management company. The management company Mm -hmm. is working for Costco for the management company to justify their contract with Costco. There has to be a significant number of management facility management issues that need to be resolved for them to be warranted. So it's kind of like I was saying, like it's a symbiotic relationship where for them to keep us fed, we need to keep them in a position where they constantly have a need to be needed. So it's, an, it's we need to be needed, they need to be needed. And it's, 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 it's a juggling act of where, like what we're going back to, like where do you make up, you know, where one of your guys messes up, where do you make up the money on that? Like I said, I did 16 estimates yesterday. Right. Some of them were seven, eight line items. Some of them were 22 line items. You're going to in the service world, if you're doing it right and you're smart about it, it's kind of like, you know, it's like with everything else, you know, you shave a little here and you pad a little there. And at the end of the day, as long as you're smart about it, you know, and you're keeping on top of your guys and you're keeping on top of, you know, your material pricing and your material costs you know, and where you're getting that, where you can get deals from, like between ordering the basic stuff from this supply house or that supply house or ordering ballast and drivers online because I can save money on bulk or this, that, the other thing, you know, it's, it's 72,000 things all, all at the same time 
to ultimately try to make a dollar. Yeah, you know, I don't envy, I don't envy your job. Thanks. I don't, <laughs> I don't, now you understand we, why I'm not on Instagram we, anymore. We, we I talk, literally have we, no time. <laughs> Evan joined a discussion we had on on Instagram before I got hacked about Foreman and and yes and uh, you know how I I am like that is my right hand man. I can't operate without this person, but I don't envy that person because I'm on their I'm on their back, and then they're staying on people's backs. And then they got clients coming at them. And that is a hard position to be in. No doubt. I, I have the utmost respect for, for all the guys and gals out there doing that in whatever, in whatever capacity, whatever trade. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky. So, I'm lucky though. The guy I work for, he's also like in some, in some ways I'm like his boss. Yeah. I'm well, like, yeah. Like I know more, honestly, like what I'll say is this, he was doing all of what I'm doing, plus being out in the field every day, all day for 12 years. So when I came on, he kind of like, he's like, Ooh, I need a break. Right. It's like, if you hold both your hands, you squeeze them together with your fingers interlaced. When you let go, they kind of push apart. There's like that, 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 uh, natural reaction. He kind of had that, that rubber banding rubber band effect where he just like kind of went a little bit, you know, he disappeared for a little while. Um, because he needed a break. And like I said, he's probably the most easygoing guy I've ever worked for. And he takes care of me. So I, I am always going to look out for his best interest and his family's best interest, which is this company. Um, but some days he's like, you know, he'll just come to me and I'll have my full slate of work laid out for each guy and all this stuff. And he'll go, yeah, no, we're going to do this today. And I have to literally shove everything off to the side and call management companies to reschedule, to let them know. But then other days he like, most days he doesn't even know what's going on in the day to day with the company. Um, but it, it's a challenge that keeps me peaked. You know, I've spent the last better part of almost 20 years doing the same thing day in and day out. And, and this is that next step that's going to allow me to take my career to a new level um, where I can, you know, not just provide for my family and make a good living, um, but also to try to bring on those new guys and instill that in them, the level of love for this trade, for what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I, you, you got me, you know, when you said it keeps you peaked, and it resonates with me because I always have to stay interested. I, I've always got to have something going on. And, and when, when I brought a foreman on, it changed. It allowed me to do what I wanted to do. I didn't know the hour by hour and the blow by blow I, because I, I couldn't follow what I wanted. Right. But, but what you're talking about for yourself, too, is that it's the difference between you and the, and the guy or gal who doesn't want that. You said that just wants to come to work and, and be good at their trade. They don't want the other BS. They don't want anything to do with it. They didn't get into the trades to be a manager. Right. And so, right. and so it's that we all kind of have our own path and position and, and, there, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. I appreciate no, one, one of my carpenters who was always just like, do, does not want more responsibility than what he's doing, like his project, but not really 
you know, asking, you know, ha- using a helper, but not being the boss, not calling the shots, nothing like that at all, ever. Yeah. And, and I, and I appreciated that because I also got, I really got to soak in his creativity because we talked about more of his creative process than managing a business and money. And, and, and right. that was a, that was added a lot of value, but so, you know, this begs the question, like, do you feel like you're being compensated properly? Oh, hell yeah. Cause I was going to say, it's always a good time to ask for a raise. No. Uh, so what I'll say about it is like, I'm not licensed, right? I'm not licensed. I'm in a state that you don't really need a license, but you know, you peak, you, you hit a ceiling at a certain dollar amount. And as, as, as a, as a, as a worker, as a journeyman, as even as a foreman, you hit a certain, you know, ceiling depending on the size and scale of the company. And when I came to talk with this guy, you know, there was a couple of conversations we had in, you know, over the phone and then a, finally a face-to-face conversation. And I had talked to two or three project managers from companies I used to work for who I was kept in touch with and said, listen, cause I have no clue what a fair compensation for this type of position is. Um, and they like threw numbers at me and my, my eyes like rolled back in my head and I was like, I can never make that kind of money. Right. Like I'm not, that special or I'm not that, that powerful, or I, I don't know how to do that, that, that type of stuff. And he, he offered me a very, very well beyond fair starting hourly rate. Cause I'm hourly, I'm not salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the six months I've been here, he's given me two, two multi-dollar raises an hour. If I was working for somebody who did not at least, acknowledge my efforts and, and I'm not even talking financially, but like saying like on a regular basis, which is also something I try to do with my guys, which is like, he's always telling me you're killing it. You're doing an amazing job. Like look at where we are now versus where you are when we started, like things are changing. The road to growth is now visible versus before where it was just trying to dig ourselves out of a hole every day. So financially, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I doubled my yearly income in the last six months. So have you ever just completely botched estimating time for a project? All the time. Um, I'm constantly getting emails. I mean, like I said, we deal in volume. We don't deal in like, like just in like individual projects. So my office manager constantly is hitting me up on the radio going, this person's looking for this estimate. This person's looking for this estimate. Do they have a lead time for how long this estimate's going to take? And I mean, at any given time, I'll have 10 to 15 estimates sitting on, on my, on my portal of, of to do in terms of botching them and in, in material wise. Uh, not, I haven't botched an estimate to the point where like we've been in the hole on it yet. Um, typically because I, try to operate and I'm going to overestimate the living crap out of this. And if they want to negotiate prices down, we can, but um, I mean, it, it's a struggle. I mean, estimates. I, and are, I'm, I'm thinking more about time because time is the time is critical. Materials are one thing you can screw it up and it's usually not that bad. I right. Mean, right. But, but time is. You'd be talking about like the, the amount of time to do the job. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's something that's really difficult to, um, 
to be able to have an absolute idea upon. I mean, you can look at a job and know how much of a wire and pipe and, you know, boxes you're going to need. Anytime I'm doing an estimate, because like I said, I have multiple guys out in the field and they're all doing the initial look at and taking pictures and notes. Anytime I'm doing an estimate, I have to try to figure out before or while I'm doing the estimate in terms of figuring out the timing, who I'm going to have do this job. Um, Because based off of that, if I know like, okay, most of our estimates get approved between 24 to 48 hours after submittal, because again, we're on a numbers, a number crunch. I know, okay, if I have this approved in 48 hours, they're going to want it done within the next week. I have this amount of approved jobs already on the books, not even thinking about the jobs that are going to come in that they need us to look at within anywhere between four to 48 hours of them sending it to us. So yeah, there have been a number of jobs where I have underestimated and what I'll say to that is I typically underestimate with the new guys. Um, I typically underestimate the newer employees based off of what I expect from them and what I think they're capable of. And after about two, two or three of those jobs, I'll know where they're actually at and I'll be able to better estimate. Um, but what I also do sometimes is like, I'll add on two people to a job for time, a journeyman and a helper. And I'll still just obviously send just the one person to do the job mm-hmm. because it really can be done by one, but the management companies really don't know that. And it should be done by two. So it, it's a game. It's like with everything, but yeah, I, I've shot myself in the foot a few times with how much time I thought it was going to take to do the job. But then again, I could be spot on with how long it should take to do the job. Even if I have that person in mind, and one of two things can happen. They could be having a shit day or B things that we could not see during our initial, because it's such a limited amount of time we spend on doing the lookouts. something jumps up or that we didn't catch. And then we have to either, then we have to make a decision of, do I eat this? Is this an, is this mess up financially, you know, eatable, if that's a word, or, is this something I'm going to have to go back to the customer, the management company, and now say, listen, as we were doing the install, we came across this, which we yeah. did not see or were not able to, you know, kind of plan for. And we have to, you know, reestimate now. Yeah. Which they never like. I was going to uh, follow that with what would be your advice to someone who's trying to estimate. And, and, but what you said right away is, exactly what I thought about when, when I estimated time was who is going to be on the job. It took me a while because I used to estimate yeah. thinking it was five of me. And that's, if I think not, about myself, then, oh yeah, three hours done. Right. I'll, I'll, no. Three hours, I could do this in three and I'll, and I'll, and I'll yeah. quote for six. So I'm making yeah. an extra three off of it. Not the case. Not the, not case. the case, but then, Ever. but then the unforeseen circumstances, always that tricky point where you're like, did I screw this up? Cause I should have seen this or, did we open up the walls and now there's, it's like, Oh, there's, and like, that, there's, there's so yeah. many code violations back here that we have to address. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to the client again, you know? And that, and that also comes into play with, you know, when you send a quote, you're obviously also sending some sort of, I call them CYAs, cover your ass statements. Yeah. Right. And in those CYAs is where you're covering your end. If something is to crop up, 
this quote is for this work based off of this period of time spent on the site for what we for this being found and you know this is for normal hours because a lot of times you know they'll come back at us and say well we need after hours and that's an additional charge but i'll say if if further things are found while executing this you know this job you know a conversation will need to be had about what to do moving forward um, because the thing is is the i'd say 50 to 60 percent of the time that is what happens on our jobs is we get an we give our guys an hour to look at something and they're not a you or a me with 10 15 20 years experience where i can look i'm in a hotel right now I can look at the walls and I, I can see where the power is and I can, I know which direction it's coming from. And I know probably mm -hmm. how they do this because I built so many hotels and I did so many electrical jobs in hotels. Like I know I'm throwing a guy with two, three, four years of experience into the deep end. And it's always trying to overestimate to cover our end. But there are going to be times where you, you, you know, early on and, I, and I'm still pretty early on in my estimating career where I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to fail. And like I've said before, like you've said before, as long as I can learn from that, it's not a failure. It's a, it's, it's an opportunity to learn provided it's not like a $10,000 mess up, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like a couple hundred dollars. It's a thousand dollars. Okay. It's not the end of the world. What can I do to learn from this? So Evan, are you going to rally on IG again or is that, is that over? No. I'm not, you know, I started the account, like I said, during the pandemic, when there really wasn't an opportunity to go out and socialize too much. And it was a way to connect to people that I didn't even realize. I mean, what, what I thought IG was going to be for me, like I said, at the beginning, like getting free tools and like, you know, this, that, and the other thing to what it actually was, which is like, I have some very serious, meaningful relationships, whether I talk to those people on a regular basis still or not, or we just catch up from time to time. Um, you know, it was a, it was, it was a really beautiful thing. And I'll be honest, like the, the community on Instagram and in the trades world versus like being on a job site and like the, the atmosphere on a job site is, is night and day on a job site. Everyone's like, who are you? What do you want? your, your garbage, right? Like picking each other apart. Um, but on, on Instagram for the majority of my experiences, it's been uplifting. It's been people going like, yo, that's really cool. Or like, Hey, have you tried this? Or, you know, if you do it this way, you'll actually save time and you'll, you'll, you'll save your, you know, your body, you know, from hurting as much. Um, but as far as like rallying back to the, you know, I think I had like like I said, 10, 11, 12, I don't even know how many thousand followers. It, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to the next chapter of my life. You know, oh. this, 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 this job I have is, is that next point where I can allow my wife to take a little bit of a break from work. Uh, we're looking to start a family soon. So that way she can take her foot off the gas and I can just kind of, you know, take care of what needs to be done. I agree that Instagram turned out to be something different than I thought it would be too when I started my account for this podcast because I'd never really interacted with people on Instagram before. And when I had just my construction business on there, I just posted there. It was like advertising. Yeah. And I didn't know there was all these people that wanted to actually talk about stuff. And one of the things you pointed out to me when we talked last time is that 
on my feed, we were actually talking about ideas and not just pictures and techniques. And, and that has resonated with me all week long. It's the community that came together and decided to just openly share conversation and ideas about what we're doing in, a, in this construction world that's so historically um, trade, bond, trade secret bound, you know, it's just, it's- Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I think there's, I think there's a good chunk of the people, of people in the trades who it's a job, it's a paycheck and that's okay, right? And then you have a, a different breed of tradespeople who actually take real, what's the word I'm, I want to use? Not just pride, but like, I guess pride, take real pride in, in what they do and how they do it and, and how they share it with the world. You know, I, even after my account got deleted, it was a couple months ago now, there was this uh, trade show, the JLC Live or something in Providence, and yeah. um, a couple of people who I had inter- who I've been you know talking with for a year or more were going, and I, I went and I met up with them, and it was Aaron, uh, Big yeah. Dog, and Chris from Live Free, um, and Joe the Canadian Carpenter, and this other account, Joe. Uh, that used to be my tools at work. I think it's like Joe's Tool Shop now on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I got to spend the day with these guys in person, and like, it was. It, it's interesting because these guys aren't, or these tradespeople aren't, just concerned with showing off their work, or you know, making you know ambassador deals or whatever. They're genuinely interested in sharing their process with the next generation of tradespeople coming in. So hopefully the, the next generation won't have to go through the same hardships and the same trials and tribulations. Ultimately, if they're anything like any of us, and I think any, any solid tradesperson who's, who's going to be, um, going to be, uh, any type of successful in the trades, there has to be a certain level of, craziness to them or insanity or just like zaniness. Um, but you know, these are genuine people who take pride in not just with what they do, but with who they, who they do it with. Um, and that's the one thing that Instagram really surprised me with was I think the, the, the trades people who do spend a good amount of time on Instagram are those who they take a significant amount of pride in what they do for a living. And not just, you know, the, you know, dirty hands, clean money aspect of it, but like I make things. And that's, that's what really kind of sunk into me. Um, additionally, being on Instagram made me fall back in love with what I do for a living. Cause I had reached a point at that, at that point in my career mm-hmm. where I was like, I, it got mundane. It got boring. And I was like, you know, I think I, I'm, I should be doing something different with, with my life. And then I got onto Instagram and I started seeing what people were doing and I started sharing what I was doing. And I was like, wow, like this is a skill. This is a skilled trade. This is a craft. This isn't just a paycheck for me anymore. It turned, it turned a light switch on, which has yet to turn off and hopefully never will. Incredible. And I agree that those guys putting in an extra effort is incredible. Aaron, I don't know how he gets everything done. 
I, every day there's a video showing people how to do stuff. And he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do it to, you know, do the influencing and, 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 and tool stuff that he does. He doesn't have to do it every day. But every day there's something useful. And, and I, don't, I can't keep up with everybody that's doing everything. I, 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 oh, no. You know, I, I had I'm, good spend. I'm watching Chris a bit as he develops his with Live Free and, and Joe. And, and I, you know, I don't know how everybody puts the, has the energy. because I was I at could, one point doing at least a post a day, if not mm-hmm. two. Um, you know, I think, I think it, 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 it's like having a second full-time job. It really mm-hmm. is. It also doesn't hurt. It also doesn't hurt if you work for yourself, which I never have. You know, I got in a lot of trouble for filming some stuff at work from time to mm. time. Um, but, you know, it's maybe it's just, you know, like, like I was saying, like, you know, these are, you're talking about uh, talking about people who own their own companies and are pretty successful well before and beyond what Instagram could offer them. You know, this is not their primary source of, you know, employment. This is their hobby or their, you know, fun job, we'll call it, Um, you know, but it is a second job, you know, and it does take a lot of work, but it also is a real big creative outlet. And that Mm -hmm. is something I do miss, you know, about what I was doing for so long on Instagram was, you know, I, I got to be more creative with, you know, the angles I was filming stuff at or like the, the stuff I was coming up with, uh, in terms of like ideas for, for posts and stuff. Um, but I think it, when it, you get to a point, if you are successful at it, like those guys were, and I guess I was to a, to a degree where you, you, it's a rhythm, it's a rhythm, you know, and I've talked to these guys about it. It's like, I work from this hour to this hour for this hour to this hour, I'm editing videos and I'm posting and I'm doing this and then I'm, I'm doing that. Um, but it, it's like a, it's like a hobby for guys who don't have a hobby, I guess, you know, it's like, if you don't like, you know, what, you're not going to go home and work on your house if you're a tradesperson, <laughs> despite what my wife, my wife was hoping for, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, love it's the shoemaker's kids. Okay. Like, yeah, she's like, you're, you're an electrician and you still have yet to move the dining room light to center it on the table. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Yeah, my, a lot of those ambitions went away about working on my own house. When I was younger, I'd finish my houses, but today I'm like, yeah, there's no money in that. I got other stuff to do. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I got to sit on the couch and relax. Exactly. Couch time. What's, what's your advice? Like, what's one piece of advice that you would give to someone who aspires to, to move up from in their trade and wants to kind of kind of follow your path. My dad always said, always look for the opportunity, right? Always look for that backdoor opportunity. Um, I was never college bound. Um, I fell into the trades through a very rambunctious and sordid early adulthood. Um, So for me, everything has been a backdoor opportunity. I literally got handed a flashlight by a family friend and said, here, come hold a flashlight for me. 
after work one day because I got a side job and that's how I fell into doing in being where I am today, like into the trades. Um, learn as much as you can, obviously, but a lot of it's just, it, it's just looking for that opportunity and being hungry and not being afraid to, to look for that, uh, that opportunity as well. Um, at the end of the day, there's a certain amount of, of luck involved in everything I believe in, you know? Um, but part of that is seeing where that luck, you know, pops its head up that opportunity and then grasping it with both hands. Um, I don't know how I got to where I am today. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow, to be honest with everybody, but at the end of the day, you know, get good at your trade and then worry about how you're going to manage people or how you're going to step it up. Because if I didn't know what to do out in the field, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. My email signature for my, for my uh, email, for my business is luck is being prepared when opportunity arises. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's every job place. I've had, every job I've had in the trades has been a step up, a step in the right direction. And I wish I could say I was prepared for that next step, whether in, in, in the trades or in life, but I've never been prepared for the next step. I've always taken the next step and, 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 and figured things out. You know what I mean? Not to say that that's how everyone operates. That's not how my wife operates. That's how I operate, right? Like we bought a house and I was terrified, but I figured it out after we made the decision. So yeah, be ready, be constantly ready, be constantly learning, be constantly working. And when that opportunity rears its ugly little head, you grab that sucker with both hands and you ride it to that next, next, next step. Hell yeah. I like it. That's hundred percent. I'm with that. So where do you go from here? You know, I, I, I never try to look at where I'm at, especially early on in a situation because it's only been six months here as where do I go from here mm. um, or what's the next step? Because for myself, I will psych myself out and I will then start to mm. think that, you know, I, I deserve more or I should be doing something better. I, I look at this situation I'm in right now and I say, this is an opportunity to learn everything I can about the business side and the management side of the trade that I've chosen to be in and whether, and I said this out loud to my wife about a month or two ago when she was like, cause she saw how like spun out I've been getting and just like how mm -hmm. overworked and how overwhelmed I've been. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I don't know if this is my forever company that I'll be at, but I know that if I, if I, if I learn as much as I can here and I do as, and I work as hard as I can, I'm either going to do one of two things. I'm going to turn this company into such a success that I can be in a position where I'm more just oversight and not in the nitty gritty. And I can hire people to do the individual tasks that I'm doing all in as one person, or I'm going to learn everything I can from this, like I have from every other opportunity. And if another possibility or opportunity presents itself to go work for a large company, that needs more of a project manager or uh, whatever the title may be, at least I'll have taken this opportunity for everything it's worth. 
you know, learn everything I can. Um, ultimately, I'd love to stay where I'm at. I like the guy I worked for. He's a really good guy. But who knows what's to happen, you know? Um, I don't want to be working 60, 70, 80 hours a week for the rest of my life, and I won't. Um, I told him once I have, once we start having kids, like I'm 40, 50 hours and I'm out. Yeah. But what I will say is, is that in just the last few days, we took one of our lead guys and made him our foreman. So now he is taking over the radio. So I'm not getting radioed by every single guy Mm. of, Hey, I got an issue on this job or, Hey, I'm done with this job. He's doing the dispatching and and all of that stuff while he's out in the field. So I can yeah, so I can focus more on. So it's basically how I had it on bigger jobs. Everyone goes to him, he comes to me, and then I go to him, and he disperse. You know, he sends it out into the ether to the guys. So you know, who knows? Who knows what happens? I mean, it's been six months, and we've gone from three guys and working eighty, ninety hour weeks to, you know, like I said, five, six guys bringing on a seventh guy soon. Um, or a seventh guy on Monday and I'm working 50, 60, 65 hours a week, you know, and my stress levels down a little, um, you know, at the end of the day is the juice worth the squeeze. I think it still is. So until it's not, I'll be here. I think the philosophy that keeping your head down and working is really what I'm taking out of this and that not like not sweating the little things in when you're, when you have all these things going on, you just have to jettison a lot of things that you might, that might have been important to you at some point that really aren't anymore. You got to let go of a lot. You got to ignore a lot of, you got to like have this balance between wearing blinders mm-hmm. and just being straight ahead and what you're doing. And, and while, while not completely being blind to the world around you, but, but that, that laser focus and opportunities arise. You might be ignorant of certain things because you're so focused. You might not know what's going on, but it doesn't matter because, because your craft or, or, or your, your, whatever your new focus is, is all that should matter. And I think that's something that, you know, people don't realize when they're, when they are spinning that like, you just have to let go Mm -hmm. a lot of what you, what you've held on so dearly. You hold on to things so hard. We're so passionate about everything, not just our craft, you know, and, and to get better, you have to let go of a lot of the past. I, I think it comes down to this is I've struggled with control my whole life. I've shared this uh, on Instagram a lot and I've shared it on our podcast a lot. I'm a person in, in recovery, you know, from alcohol and, and other substances and control has always been something that I, I've struggled with the, my lack of control or my desire to be over controlling. And I think at the end of the day, it's, you ever see that movie, Tommy, you've seen Tommy boy, right? One of the greatest movies of all time. Remember the scene when he's at the diner and he's, you know, the, the waitress comes up and taking their order. And he's like, I'd like chicken wings. And she's like, well, the, the, the kitchen's closed. And he goes in this crazy story about this, you know, Jojo, the circus, you know, kid, and he's got this little pet and he's just, so controlling and so over this pet and all of a sudden you know he kills the pet you know because he's so focused on it and has so tight of a grip on it i've learned in my life that if i hold too tight of a grip onto anything 
I will ultimately destroy it. But at the same time, I have to keep somewhat of a, of, of a hold on to it. It, it. It's like there was a wearing life like a loose garment. You know, I know what I can control today and I know what I can't control today. And I, I try my best to accept my limitations as a human, as a limitations as a, as a manager, as a limitations of a, as a husband in all aspects of my life. And most times I fail at, at the acceptance part of it. But when I do accept it, I find that that's when progress happens, you know, and progress so, is how I get to where I am today. So metaphorically, you can wear sweatpants when you're looking at the big picture. Who <laughs> says I'm wearing works, any pants right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think the beautiful thing about the trades is, is we, 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 we break our bodies, we create beautiful things, and we have fun doing it. And I think when any time that it gets overwhelming or it gets you know, too, too much to handle is take a step back and just laugh at it because that's all you can do. If you get angry, it's just going to get worse. Take a step back, crack a joke to the guy next to you, and just take a beat. Um, because I, I couldn't do the job I'm doing today if I took anything too seriously or had too tight of a grip on any one aspect. You know? Um, that is sound advice. I don't know. Yeah. Why do skill trades matter? Because without it, the world would cease to exist. Check. Okay, I'm gonna go I don't into. Know that made sense. I'm gonna go into <laughs> um, some of the questions I ask on every show, and you kind of already answered one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that. I'm gonna ask you some questions that you asked on your podcast. Ooh, I just can't promise it'll be PG-13. Okay, well, I'm gonna ask some questions I heard on your podcast. Uh, okay i love it how many how many words do you know uh 1.2 billion i don't think there's that many words if you are a murderer what would your fear modus operandi um bacon grease I'll, I'll let you, I'll let that just sit there. And yeah, I said, first thing that comes to my mind, that's what's going to come out. If you were cheese, what kind of cheese would you be? Uh, sharp cheddar. Or, uh, or cheese whiz. Why one or the other? Um, application? Application. I think one's a little bit more serious. One's a little more silly. But then again, it could be sharp cheddar cheese whiz. So that's my final answer, Alex. Um, if, if you could shoot one thing from your belly button, what would it be and why? Ooh, uh, Coca-Cola, and because it's my favorite beverage. In a movie of your life, who would play you? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Movie of my life, who would play me? Um, hmm. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I don't know. If we're going off of looks, I don't know. Maybe um, 
Wow, that one really stumped me. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, Is the it because you don't the think person... there's, there's not someone handsome enough to play you or what? Is that what you're thinking? No, 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 not at all. I, I am I am the most self-conscious person you'll ever meet. I don't know. I my first my first my first instinct was Woody Harrelson. Mm. But I, I'm not that old. But maybe a young Woody Harrelson, like white men well, can't I, jump. There you go. I was just about to watch that the other night. I haven't seen it in many, 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 many years. Yeah. Okay, now we're going into my speed round. Okay. Best joke. Best joke. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying not to make it dirty. It's really hard because most of the jokes I know are are, are dirty. Um, hmm. I'll just put. We'll just do a dirty joke alert. Just do it. All right, dirty. If you're, dirty, if you're out there dirty, listening, and your if your kids are in the car, stop. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Yeah. Um. best joke. You know, this is really hard to be on the other end of this. I've never, I've never been on the other end of the speed <laughs> round before. <laughs> okay. I hate, when um, I hate when people ask me questions on my show. I'm like, yo, this is my show. I ask them. Yeah, like, this is my show, dude. Um, hmm. I'm really, like, I literally can't even think of a joke now. And I feel like a real Momo. Um, okay, okay. We, we'll come back um, to it. Here, okay. ready? Here, here we go. Um, the Pope and Bill Clinton die. Bill Clinton goes to heaven. The Pope goes to hell. Pope gets on his knees, starts praying, goes, God, I, I've spent my whole life, you know, devout, devoted to you. What happened? God and the devil realize they made a mistake. So while Bill Clinton's being sent down to hell, and the Pope's going up to heaven. They kind of stop and chat for a little bit. And the Pope goes, I can't wait to meet Virgin Mary. I've waited my whole life to meet her. And Bill Clinton just turns to him and goes, who says she's a virgin anymore? Oh, good old Bill Clinton. Slick I, I don't know where that came from. Don't know where that came from. The nineties. Came yeah, from the I 90s. mean, literally, that that's yeah. all the way in the back here. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm gonna guess your favorite tool. It's your I don't know the model number, but it's it's your it's your Klein Splice tool. It's your Klein uh wire stripper. My lineman? I don't or know. the auto strippers. Oh, your auto strippers. No, my favorite tool is, is my client lineman. Um, okay. I mean, if you're an electrician, your go-to tool is a lineman. Lineman pliers. We're going to find out what all the other electricians I have on this season say about that. Um, what's the most useful tool? Lineman. The where have you been on my life tool? Ooh. Where have you been on my life tool? What is a tool that has changed my life? Uh, Milwaukee compact mini bandsaw. Porta band. I love my DeWalt yep. Porta bands. I love them. They're, it's the most useful tool. Yeah, they changed life. They do. Absolutely. Uh, best job site snack. Best job site snack. Uh, the Roach Coach coffee and the sleeve of Oreos in the morning. Mm. Morning, morning Oreos, huh? 
Yeah, um, well, when you dip it in the coffee, it's, you know, it's like a pastry. It's bliss. Uh, best job site jams. Oh, uh, album. Best album to listen to while working would be 10 by Pearl Jam. That's a good one. Start to finish. Not a bad album. I'm an album. I'm an album guy. I love listening to albums. You can listen to 10 from start to finish and it's just grooving. Yeah. You know, they don't make albums like they used to. I don't make albums nope. like they used to sound like an old man, but I am. But the, I know. <laughs> they make them. They make them to have like a couple pop hits, and then the rest is garbage. It sucks. Yeah, I love. I I love a good album from start to finish. It would either be that, or it would be uh, Europe '72 by the Dead. Mm. That's that's. I can listen to that all day, start to finish. I'm repeat. I'll I'll have to listen to both. I haven't listened to either of those in their entirety in a really long time, so I'm gonna do that. I think uh, the way we listen to music now has really changed. I've kind of evolved with it, and I don't. I grew up in a musical house. I grew up in a a musical house. Uh, I'm a musician, um, so like you know, music is. I think music is as important on a job site, um, at least for myself, to be productive as you know the tools I use. Some days. Do you have a record player? I do, and a vinyl collection. And what do you, what instrument do you play? Mainly a drummer, but I play piano and then guitar. And I used to sing. I don't know if I can do it anymore, but I used to sing. Yeah, I sang in my band. I've never been a singer, but I was in a <laughs> band for a while and they were like, sing, write songs. And I did. And actually, the yeah. theme music for the pod is, is my band when we tried to record an album about seven years ago. That never came to fruition. Yeah. Musicians are not things. like tradespeople. They don't no. care about time. They don't care about time. They, they care about time in time signature, but they don't care about being. So <laughs> I am, maybe it's because, you know, I'm just neurotic and I'm crazy, but I'm the person who's 20 minutes early, if, if not more anywhere, especially to work. If you're, Hey, if you're on time, you're late. I know the feeling. I know yep. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I know that's, the, I think that was the hardest part about being in a band was I'm like, I'm on time. And everyone watching, else is late. I'm like, where, yep. where are you guys? What are you doing? And they, you know, if you say anything, they're like, Oh, you're a slave driver. And I'm like, no, just, no, we just, we want to get practicing. Yeah. Time um, is money. Absolute time is money. Um, what? So my, I, I always have my guests ask a question for the next guest, and I never know who that next guest is going to be after these interviews. So a question you would be, what book are you reading? What book am I? I just finished a book um, called Dark Matter. Hmm. Um, and before that, I finished... Uh, Hail Mary, which is by the same writer as The Martian. That was a good one. What would you ask a guest on my show? Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, I think my favorite one is um, what are three items you could walk up to a cashier with to make them really uncomfortable? 
All right, I'll have to choose I mean, wisely. It, I'm going to choose wisely yeah. for that one. <laughs> <laughs> or another one uh, could be, um, what two animals would you combine and what would their product be? What would, what, what, like, what would they make? Legit. We, we, we had, yeah, we had a lot of fun, fun questions we used to do. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I shouted out a bunch of people already. Broski, uh, Chris from Live Free, Aaron, um, Andy, my, my podcast wife. Um, another person I'd love to give a shout out to who is really a staple in the IG world in terms of like, they had that godfather status like Aaron. Um, his name is Chris. Uh, his handle is lower 48. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a guy, he's an account who consistently has been showing up for people, giving back to the community, um, and lifting people up rather than, you know, stepping on, standing on their shoulders. Um, he's always, and when my account got deleted, he actually, he had my number from a conversation we had had a, last year or something, he gave me a call and he reached out to see if I was okay. And that's like, you know, again, just speaks to the quality of the people. I've had some, uh, a couple interactions and conversations with him and I, that's, that's interesting to know him. I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, is your wife going to listen to this podcast? She didn't listen to any of my podcasts. What makes you think she's oh. going to listen to yours? I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening today, you guys. My shout out today goes to Mark the Foot Rosser. He's the dad who said, how do you keep the boss happy, walk fast, and look worried? Mark's not with us anymore, but I want to say thank you, sir. Hey, and if you found value in the show or experienced affirmation, you know the drill. Go to iTunes and write a review. Go to Spotify. Give us a rating. If you can't do that, go to my website and write a review. I really would appreciate it. Though I don't think word of mouth is the best way to get business anymore, it is the best way for a podcast to get known. Go to my website, thecontractinghandbook.com, and you'll be prompted to sign up for my newsletter. I won't spam you, but I'll give you an occasional update and maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff about me or how my salmon fishing went. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. That's all I got.